Hey, what's going on? My name is Rob Palin and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast, the show where we talk about everything related to the career journey within the blockchain, crypto, and Web3 space. Today, we have a great interview for you. It is with Danny Arango, who is the head of talent at Gauntlet Networks, and he has an extensive background in the talent and recruiting space within the crypto industry. He has been active in this space now for five plus years prior to Gauntlet, has worked at Gemini, an exchange I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with for nearly four years. So he has seen both the boom and bust cycles of the crypto industry, how that relates to recruiting and talent within this space. So we had a really good opportunity to talk with Danny about all that and more in today's episode. Before then, if you are looking to Find your first opportunity within the crypto space, or if you're looking to make a move at any point in time, feel free to reach out to the team at Proof of Talent. Or alternatively, if your company is growing right now, you're looking for talent in the space, please feel free to reach out to me as well. Okay, let's hop into the video. One thing I'm really interested in covering, you've been recruiting in the crypto industry since 2018. How have things evolved in the recruiting landscape since 2018? Woof. Uh, sounds like dog years, doesn't it? Um, so I'll, e- I'll even take it further back, right? Like first Bitcoin bull run 2014, lasted, you know, 14, 18 months. And then next bearish month, moving through again, next bull run. Um, so I guess I started somewhere around the beginning of the next bull run after that. Um, and I think it's a tale of two cities, really. Um, so you have people literally chopping at the bit to get in. Um, and people sort of, for all different wants and desires, wanting to be involved, wanting to go into different uh, Web3 companies, trying to see if their skills translate because and ultimately they hear from their friends this is something they should uh, invest in. This is something they should be able to uh, hopefully parlay their previous skills to a new arena. Um, and then next bear cycle comes and undoubtedly um, things that actually are very similar to what we're seeing now, companies that traditionally have overhired because it was all gangbusters uh, and everyone thought the good times would end. And then uh, you hear it to the current uh, state of affairs, which is now much more macroeconomic, not simply just because of uh, crypto, right? Um, that companies are being much more judicious with their hiring needs. And to a degree that, you know, the talent landscape and even just broadly speaking of tech is like shifted dramatically. Um, you're seeing layoffs in all sectors, not just in crypto, especially in larger tech companies. Uh, you're having a lot of really, you know, talented people looking for new challenges and opportunities. And um, I think a lot of it now is uh, a wait and see approach, um, both on the candidate side and the employee side, really. Right. So, um, like, how are those things that we're going to navigate when the good times were there uh, and really stress test ourselves from a litmus test perspective? Um, I think is really important now. Um, again, employer side, certainly in my end of the book, but, you know, especially candidate side as well. Um, you're seeing a very different talent pool that you traditionally would have seen. Um, and, you know, Web3 companies, still are the startups have cash on hand that are hopefully having a, an optimistic outlook. I tend to think that I have an optimistic outlook. I've been through a few bearish cycles. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a little bit different BC traditionally would see. How is the talent pool different, would you say? Because I know you'd mentioned that. I'm, I'm curious how you feel like that's that's evolved. Well, um, I think you will be seeing a lot more um, candidates that you wouldn't have necessarily expected come into the landscape now. Um, there's definitely companies, uh, or rather a talent that has been in you know, larger firms that now think that, you know, 
I've done my piece at that side of the house and I want to be able to explore something from a building perspective. Um, definitely with companies that, um, you know, wouldn't traditionally be seen as good opportunities for those kinds of candidates are really the best ones for them now. Um, you wouldn't think you would have gotten that peace of mind earlier. Um, and now you're really, um, you know, understanding that like, this is an employer's landscape to be able to choose the best and brightest that they could possibly, hopefully be able to sell the mission to their places. So, um, I think there's definitely a, a larger pool, larger aperture of people that traditionally are going to be available. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's great, right? It's not shooting fish in a barrel. A lot of, uh, employers tend to still see that way, especially if they think they have a lot of leverage on candidates. It's still a candidate's market for the people that we want. Mm -hmm. Um, it is still up to employers in this space, um, being able to really, uh, sell their mission values and their alignment with what a prospective candidate's looking for. Um, even if they nominally speaking, think it's a lot easier, it's actually a lot harder, I would say, um, uh, being able to really suss out someone's uh, risk tolerance and motivations, uh, knowing what they previously experienced at their companies, and um, people are taking, um, you know, much more due diligence, like angle in terms of their job search now, um, which is great. You know, that's where you the, the I think uh, you really meet your metal from a hiring perspective as a talent leader is really being able to sell things in a way that's authentic to you and you know matching expectations for a candidate, but. Uh, to the degree that I think the party's just getting started for a lot of people. Um, I think also something that I've seen change quite a bit is uh, candy education. Um, I think sort of what we've seen with the great resignation is still there to a certain degree. I don't know if candidates have really gotten around to the fact that this is uh, a much different job market than it was even six months ago. Um, and that is to say that they aren't necessarily being realistic. Um, but I think they're very uh, being much more judicious about what they're looking for, um, which may or may not exist, but people are going to hold out for the things that they want. And I, I think that's actually a good thing. Um, you know, we traditionally have seen employers having a lot of leverage and that may be much more true now, but candidates don't necessarily have the leverage they need for their job search. So That's a, it's a great, like just synopsis and an overall summary. I couldn't agree more with just, I guess it be still being a candidate led market, right? There's a ton of, obviously a ton of layoffs that have happened, but people still are not going to settle for just any opportunity. They are still very passionate, especially in the web three space to work with a project that's building from a, from a place of a strong mission. Right. And I, I know you touched on that. Um, I guess, you know, for a candidates, how can they best position themselves to be the right choice for those mission-led organizations? Definitely, uh, as much as possible, um, coming up with your own story, your own narrative. Um, why does it matter to you to be involved? Um, and there's no right answer here. As long as you know it's unique and authentic to you, um, and being able to relay that to hopefully companies that also agree and have like-minded uh, values and looks and perspectives that you have is definitely important. Um, and again, like not to sort of beat a dead horse, but like a year ago, right. You have teams hiring up the wazoo, uh, you know, people that are looking to fill key roles are going to have some hard choices now. Um, so how do we try to make sure that even if the talent pool has deepened, excellent count candidates are going to be excellent candidates, no matter what the job market looks like. Right. So I think a really good principle in mind for people to keep, you know, top of mind for themselves is like. We're not just finding the best of the best, right? We're also finding people who are in it for the long run, especially now. 
Um, that values alignment is really crucial, uh, especially joining earlier stage companies. Um, you know, it's not, uh, if you're willing, if someone's willing to join a project in really rocky times, you know, you know, they're going to stick around for the good ones. So it's really important to make sure that as much as possible, you're teasing that out. Um, both ways, right? Kennedy has to know that um, the founding team, their mission, what their goals are, uh, what communities they're trying to serve, uh, really sort of aligns with what they're looking for, especially as they're you know exploring new opportunities. Because um, the proliferation of projects are still there, especially in Web3. Um, I think it's really about the ones that are gonna have staying power and just understanding the risks coming in, right? Like some people are really game by it and they're really self-motivated by it. Um, and then some people are like very not, they're very risk off. Um, so I think a lot of it is being, uh, understanding what your non-negotiables are as a candidate. These are the things I'm really going to stick to. Um, these are the ones that are, I'm going to compromise on depending on these particular criteria. And these are the ones I could do without and really searching for companies and reaching out to them directly and differentiating yourself. Um, you know, we, I speak to dozens of people a week. Um, I look at hundreds of applications a week. Um, the things that really, um, speak to me certainly are people that are much more forward taking initiative um understanding that like there are things about where i work and really the employer that i represent there are things that they're really looking to explore more deeply um because the ecosystem is so large right like uh, for example my company we work in the DeFi space small pinprick of a very large ecosystem um, but there is a litany of different other topics that people you know getting to crypto could be very interested in and um, it's as much about breadth and learning, you know, very large sort of foundational principles about the space and what matters to them. But um, if someone's really to getting depth of experience that way, that I think that enthusiasm goes a long way. Um, you're typically easier to be able to, at the very least, understand what your learning curve is. And knowing that, it's easier to learn something that you want to learn more about than things that you don't want. Um, so definitely that connection with uh, people, the companies that you're really looking to, to try to partner with. And I think another sort of thing I would say for candidates is don't take no for an answer at first value. Just because it's a no now doesn't mean it's a no forever. Um, it could just be a no, not right now, through no fault of your own, right? Like um, there are definitely skills that you can develop over time and come back to the same companies that you feel are, are sort of the tastemakers in the space that you really want to join. And I think that, again, really show some staying power in the long run if someone wants to be involved in the ecosystem and that carries a long way, um, which is why it's, I think, even vitally, more vitally important than in any other sort of sectors that I've operated in is to keep connections alive and don't burn any bridges because you never know. Um, you never know if uh, someone you may have, you know, denigrated because of some particular sort of aspect or, or episode is someone that you may be calling upon for a favor, right? Um, there are, you do yourself a really big disservice um, as a candidate and even as an employer, um, turning people off that way. So I think being, especially in this community, it's really important to be, um, you know, as open and honest as you possibly can be. Uh, and know that there's going to be people out there that um, you're going to hopefully find like-minded uh, opportunities with. So those are some things I would say for sure. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of great information within that, and and two things that I'm interested in. So you mentioned specifically mission alignment with mission and vision, as well as risk tolerance. How do you, as as a talent leader, uh, how do you gauge that in potential candidates? Like, what is the is there a specific conversation where you're 
chatting with somebody about your, you know, right now you're at, you're at Gauntlet, like about the mission and vision at Gauntlet or about their risk tolerance. Like what, how do you, as, as somebody who's evaluating that, I guess, fit, because that's, you know, in some cases what you may be trying to do, how, how do you gauge that? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, um, you know, as much as I've been working in the space for a while, um, you know, I'm there very much from sort of a culture aspect, right? Uh, and just ensuring that is someone bought into the space and the opportunity by how we presented it, warts and all, um, or am I the 30th person they're talking to, right? You can really tell the difference between uh, someone's questions about what they've either researched before coming onto the call. Um, and I try to make it, and obviously I want to give candidates a benefit of the doubt. I'm a candidate advocate, right? Uh, especially internally. So, you know, when I reach out to them, I give them a litany of research, things that are publicly available, things that we've written, things that are about us, um, which is a little bit different if you work at a, you know, pre-seed or early stage company, or you can't necessarily be out in front as much as you'd like to be. But um, at least for the stage of the company that uh, I currently work at, um, you know, it's a lot easier for us to be able to say, here are some things that you can learn about us. Um, the onus then comes onto the candidate to come correct, right? Because you want to put your best foot forward. I can only do that as a town advocate if you do it in kind, right? Um, so it, it starts even from there, even before I get on the phone. Um, if I'm reaching out to someone and they haven't done very cursory uh, research, it, you tend to know where the rest of the conversation will lie. Uh, I think a lot of it gets up to risk appetite, especially as I talk to candidates. You know, it's like, are they bought into the space? Are they bought into opportunity? What are the reasons for it? Um, again, there are no wrong answers, but an answer does need to be there. Um, I think a lot of that will matter um, more than usual, especially now, um, especially because, you know, you're not going to have too many distractions in sort of a new hire's journey and to a new candidate that they could have, right? So, like, how do I connect with them to what I have to offer to them? Um, why them? Why here? Why now? Why is it important for them? Um, and again, a lot of this is to give me ammo to be able to effectively advocate for them internally to move forward. Um, I think even for, um, you know, a very important sort of thing that I certainly look for is someone who has a growth mindset. Um, they're going to be drinking from referrals of information, whatever that information looks like. I ask about that in their past. Has there been things that they've been learning on the job that they've never experienced before that they've had to do to be able to mark success for them? What does those experiences look like? Um, what are some interests and hobbies that they have generally? doesn't have to be in tech. Um, you can't really gauge someone's enthusiasm unless they do it for the things that they already like. Um, so what does that look like for them? Um, you know, candidates with less experience, they may need to hear a little bit more specifically about how we deal with market cycles because this is their first job. A candidate that's been in this uh, industry for a while, you know, have some battle scars. They tend to be able to roll the punches a little bit more to a certain degree. What does that look like in their experiences, on their project teams, the products they've worked on, the companies they've worked for? What do those experiences look like? Um, conversely, what are things they're looking to avoid? Um, the last thing you want to mm. do is to be able to, you, want, you don't want to sell snake oil to people. You want to make sure that they're able to understand the work, what you have to offer, and then all the extra noise just becomes noise, right? So um, how they dealt with ambiguity that way is important. Um, you guys know very well, it's a volatile industry we work in. Um, it can be super transformational and important um, and impactful and disruptive, but it's not for everybody. So um, do they have the grit to be able to withstand tough times? 
not just in markets like uh, crypto, but to the degree that they've worked in their professional lives. What does that look like? Um, not to get, again, too hard for the horse as well. Um, compensation certainly is a big thing. It's easier to get that out of the way than to wait towards the end and knowing that we spent a lot of time and due diligence and vetting to be able to understand that this isn't a person you can effectively close. So again, a lot of it is what their expectations are. And it depends on uh, the season of their life, the season of their lived experience, season of their professional experience, right? So like, do they rightfully scrutinize um, different aspects of the offer? What is the mix that they're used to? What is the mix they can tolerate? Um, are they more equity forward because they like to have skin in the game? Are they more cash forward because they have their independence and life experiences that they need to be able to account for? Um, those opaque packages, especially in our industry, include tokens. What does that incentive structure look like? Mm-hmm. Um, what do, what uh, levers are there to be unlocked from a compensation perspective to make them happy and make sure that they're being recognized and validated by the work they do? Um, how do I, on my end, uh, you know, as an uh, ambassador of the employer, like provide those mental modes to help them uh, understand what those different outcomes look like? Um, because there's certainly inherent stability in certain companies, even in this industry, but it looks a little bit different than working at a big conglomerate tech as I like to call it. So <laughs> it, it, it really just, it, it depends on, um, again, what are those motivations from a candidate? Um, what is their relative risk appetite, risk tolerance? Uh, not forcing them into anything they're not comfortable with, but educating them on what you're able to offer and what the hiring landscape looks like for them. Um, those are some things I really try to suss out. I think all all great things in there. And like, I'm a firm believer, especially in Web3, slow and steady wins the race, right? And so right now, candidates should be taking the time to reflect on exactly what they want, really understanding what is what is my actual reason for passion in Web3? You know, what do I want to build? What problems do I want to solve? I, I think, like you said, like even compensation too, like really dialing down, like what are my non-negotiables? Um, I think something I'm curious about in learning, and, and we kind of discussed this on a, a podcast previously as well, um, was like putting your best foot forward as a candidate. How do you best exemplify that you are the right fit from a passion perspective within the Web3 ecosystem? What are the the best practices or best tips or advices for candidates to best exemplify that they are the right person to be in the ecosystem? Uh, enthusiasm. You can't teach it. Um, whatever the topic is that they're going to be learning, whatever they want to get specific experience on, seek it out. Do your own self-learning because the internet's amazing. Um, find out, find out where those communities reside. Become an open and active participant in them. Um, especially you know as it relates to at least in DeFi world like DAOs. Um, certainly opportunity from a community building perspective to be involved. Um. That kind of pre-work, for lack of a better term, on your own, um, really carries a lot of sway with companies. Um, not from a, oh, they're ramped up more to crypto, so I have to teach them less sort of old adage that typically people do. Uh, from the fact that if there are things that they already are interested in, uh, you're able to really key in on those things and understand that they're going to be taking a much more exponential growth pattern than they traditionally would. Um, I think it starts even from the first phone call. Honestly, it lasts through the entirety of the interview process. It's a nice tango. Like, it's very much a give and take in that way. Um, and, you know, even more importantly, in uh, potentially volatile times, um, what's that quality connection look like with the company? Like, 
how, does that help you um, become more intrinsically involved in wanting to see it through? Um, does it make you ask better questions and uh, appear much more thoroughly interested than other candidates? Um, how do you spend uh, even more time uh, getting uh, connection, quality connection with the companies that you want to seek out? And again, also understanding that um, every rejection from a company is a new door open to others. Um, mm -hmm. And not simply um, sort of taking no for an answer at first value again. Like a lot of it is, okay, what do I have to do? Or what do I want to do to be able to become personally and professionally fulfilled by this? Because um, we have a lot of smart and driven candidates out there and there's plenty of them to talk to. I think the differentiator is being able to stand alone to yourself. And understanding your own unique narrative and everything. Um, it's not copying everything else that you've seen be successful in this space either. Um, that's, again, how we got to this place, right? Uh, a lot of people copying a lot of other people. Uh, it's about mm -hmm. uniqueness and distinction there um, from yourself and ultimately the company that hopefully is lucky enough to have you. So, so you had mentioned enthusiasm, uniqueness, a couple different things there. I'm curious if there's any... It doesn't obviously have to, to name any specific names, but if there's any anyone you ended up hiring during your time at Gemini or at Gauntlet when you went through the interview process and somebody just like stands out as doing something really unique or interesting that whether it was for you or just the team at large where it stuck out and was like, wow, this person just did something that was really, really impressive and put them like head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. I don't know if anything sticks out for you or if there's any stories there, be, be interested in hearing if you did, if you had one. Uh, I think of a few examples for sure. Um, this will be a confluence of a few candidates, but uh, at least uh, one um, did a bug bounty on a particular API that we provided to traders on their own. I was like, Hey, I'm really interested in understanding this because I built this on my own as if I could have it for my own trade ticker. I found something that I think would be beneficial in your public API. I think you'd like to look at it. I was like, do you want a job? <laughs> I, was, I was like, do you want a job? They're like, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, that was something that they looked at of their own volition, reached out to a couple of us that they were able to find emails for. Um, and again, when those things occur, you have to have, Sadly, in this industry, you have to have a certain eye towards it, right? You don't want to be sort of fished or have like social engineering done from you. Um, but it turned out to be very true. And this person was incredibly stellar. And they were someone that just graduated high school. Um, so we hired them as an intern and then hired them full time. <laughs> uh, once they were of age to be able to, to hopefully forego. They actually went to night school, actually, uh, to be able to get their bachelor's. But uh, someone that was exceptional and, you know, Know what they didn't know, but want to learn like a fish to water as much as they possibly could to be able to get themselves to you know a modicum of of being really great uh, in this industry. That's certainly one person. Um, I think also uh, there have been a few people that have um, you know specifically referenced either uh, blog posts I've written or uh, white papers that our teams have written um, that have specifically verbatim. Um, portray sort of specific aspects of things that we've written. Um, and again, our white papers tend to be pretty verbose and uh, quite in-depth technically at times. Um, but there are certain aspects that candidates have said, uh, this really stuck out to me as something that I should be able to reach out to you directly for. 
number one, I'd like more information on this because I found this particular topic in this 60 page white paper interesting. But I also wanted to discuss further how my own specific research of which here are my GitHub repos and my own separate white paper from a particular uh, research that I've done on the side while at school has hopefully dovetailed to something that you'd be working on that I would love to learn from you guys. Then those people have typically done very well in our interview processes and um, whether we hired them or not, um, they have stayed you know, very much friends of the company because a lot of it is the things that we share for public consumption that people found value in and have wanted to start a conversation because of it. Um, those are the ones you typically remember. Number one, because you're trying to ascertain how much time they have to be able to in depth uh, go in depth with a lot of these um, incre incredibly esoteric and quite frankly, very uh, technically um, pronounced topics. Um, but you know that ultimately outside of, you know, rattling selling off points of a company, it's less about that and more about what this person sees that they want to be able to partner with you about. Um, certainly um, have had some maybe more entrepreneurial style re outreaches um, you know, being, you know, found on South Beach, you're like, hey, you look like the person that I've seen on Twitter talk about this thing. Is that you? That was very interesting. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would say those are definitely some archetype examples of people that I think have stood heads and above of the normal candidate. Um, because again, they have brought to the table something that they found exceptionally interesting about the things you do or the people you work with. And they want to learn more about that specifically. And um, you can certainly get um, a good sense of someone's ability to be able to, again, hopefully be a value add to your company. That way. I think with all those examples too, uh, you, you're highlighting that person's authenticity and ability to find common ground within an organization or, or an individual. And we all are getting constantly hit up by, you know, mm -hmm. different people on LinkedIn, Twitter, social media, but the messages that we reply to is exactly like you said, someone that does their due diligence on a company or an individual. And we're, we're way more, um, you know, motivated to, to actually have that conversation and, and hear out like, all right, I want to know what this person's about. I want to know, understand their background. And I think for any candidate that's listening, like, that should always be your strategy, especially when there's thousands of applications on a LinkedIn post. Reach out directly to the hiring manager, but you know, take 20, 30 minutes to actually understand the company and what they're trying to build. And I think even taking it a step further too, which it's great that you'd mentioned this because it's in a lot of cases been part of like my belief is putting in the work up front, like you'd said, and having that kind of that that effort that you have conducted, but then in addition to that, I think some some great things there, just being the openness of a company like Gauntlet to recognize the work, recognize the ability of somebody, also not necessarily look solely at the credentials of that individual, but also just at the you know, the the competency of that person. And I think that's one of the things that makes this industry great. And I think also, and I hope we don't lose this as we continue to grow and evolve, but the the willingness by companies to just look at that individual's competency and effort versus saying, does this person have, you know, the exact background maybe that, you know, we'd want for this specific role, or can they do the job? And I think 
in many cases, this industry is more open to that type of approach. Like, yes, there is still a lot of, of emphasis placed upon background and pedigree, but I think that there are still these cases where somebody just graduated from high school, but they're damn technically competent and, and that's okay. Uh, to that point as well, I think, especially given the nascent C syllabus industry, right? Like you're finding a lot of uh, smaller and more growing companies um, not being so pigeonholed to very specific archetypes of roles, if that makes sense. Like you have standard full stack engineers, back engineers, growth hackers, like, you know, certain archetype ideal profile styles. Um, but, you know, a lot of hiring managers, especially ones that we speak to and that I work with, are seeking out a pretty comprehensive interdisciplinary set of skills um, to use, I guess, the taken parlance, um, <laughs> like that don't exactly exist, right? Um, that, to be fair, because of that, um, enthusiasm and competency goes even a longer way um, because, you know, I certainly talk to a lot of people that even come from traditional web two or non-tech backgrounds that have very interesting combinations of skills that would lend themselves well to roles that we have. Um, and they aren't simply title and experience. It is what they've done over their career that can really effectively translate to what this new segment of niche skills and sets needs are in web three. Um, you know, there are definitely roles that are, very much more appropriate for like the traditional experience web two professional. And then there's roles that quite frankly don't ever exist much uh, because they've never existed before that you need enthusiastic new talent. That's going to have some career defining imprints on it and there's space for both, which is great. I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned you're speaking to a lot of people in the web two space. There's obviously been a ton of layoffs. We, we talk about it all the time are you seeing an influx of candidates from web 2 looking to come and join the web 3 space right now very much so um i, I harken back to like a previous point like you, there are a lot of people that wouldn't be sort of traditionally open to conversations that are now are unfortunately by necessity but at the same time some of them are actively seeking being like this is the kick in the pants that i needed um to be able to actually go to something that i think would be really cool and um i've had enough conversations with candidates to know that um you know they may have worked at big tech for um three years 15 years what have you and this is their chance to now try to be part of the ground floor of something really disruptive for their careers um and you know more importantly for their skill sets and sort of what they're looking for um so yeah there's definitely been you know pretty sizable influx uh, sadly, I guess, but to a degree, it's uh, afforded us a larger, um, you know, market to be able to draw from. That's you know certainly great for us, um, and I think even great for any employer that's still hiring. That's uh, you know making um, sense of what trends, technologies, and working conditions are, um, and what is good, how it's going to relate to their needs. Um, and something you know, I certainly um, and akin to, and something you know, having been through a couple of companies in the space that, um, you know, I've had differing fortunes at, at different times, right? Like it's important for organizations to really stay focused on the things that matter for them uh, to be as outcomes and goal oriented as possible, but being nimble really. Um, and then understanding that, uh, you know, we're trying to identify whatever skill gaps we have in the organization and the opportunities for growth by hiring externally, but 
um, making sure that every hire counts and that we're, you know, doing due diligence on both sides, uh, both candidate and employer to make sure that this is going to be the best possible fit with the information that we've gathered at that point in time. When you think about the layoffs that have happened in big tech, and it's obviously happened in crypto as well. Um, but I think one of the interesting aspects of it has been, and we talked a little bit about risk previously, but the concept of like perceived risk within companies. Have you seen that? Because at least from my opinion and in, in talking to candidates and, and hearing things a year or two ago, my perception of, I guess the market's perception was you go and work at Facebook, you go and work at Google, you work at Microsoft. That is the safest place in the world. You know, you can put in your time and, and kind of, you know, collect a paycheck and, and chill. And now it seems like that because of what's happened recently, that that may no longer be the case. In in your conversations, either with people that may have been laid off or maybe just people in, in the Web2 space, like, has that perception changed at all? And are people more open to working with, you know, a smaller company like like Gauntlet that might be, I think you, your team is Series, series B, maybe 60 or mm-hmm. so people, like, is there more openness now to work with a smaller organization post these these big kind of mega conglomerate layoffs? Uh, I would say yes, uh, with a caveat. Um, it very much depends on the people that you're going to be working with um, and ultimately the kind of remote environment that it is. Um, if you are a remote company, if you're an in-person mm-hmm. environment, what does that culture look like? Um because I found an inordinate amount of people that I've talked to that have been in that situation um, are really looking for a certain openness that they traditionally didn't have from those larger companies. Um, they're looking for certain transparency. They're going to ask you the hard questions and they're going to ask to know how far they could stretch the envelope in terms of you know reasonable openness that you could provide as a company. Um, obviously, understanding sort of the strategies to build team cohesion and what culture looks like. Um, and understanding those work practices are really important for them. Um, but I definitely think that uh, those companies um, are definitely, you know, taking a look in them or those candidates rather taking a look in the mirror and really understanding what is their mindset for wanting to move on. Um, yeah. Cause uh, I progression used to call those the retirement jobs. Right. And now we're sort <laughs> of <laughs> trying to understand where everything else is left for everybody. Um, and because of that, um, people are, maybe asking more um, deep-seated questions they wouldn't traditionally in a previous job search, um, I found. Um, you know, first call, I'm getting converse, uh, questions about uh, financial health, um, go-to-market strategy, product roadmaps, um, management style, management bandwidth, uh, leadership and vision around the company. Um, so a lot of things that inordinately would come up later in the process, um, candidates want to know immediately before they endeavor, um, which is, you know, great for companies that are out in front and want to be transparent about it. Like we are, and try to understand that, um, you know, the nuances of being able to understand those things and be able to relay those things to candidates are really crucial. Um, especially as you try to communicate them and lay their concerns, but ultimately manage their expectations that way. Um, but I think some companies are still coming around to that and they're going to be the ones that are going to lose out. Um, if they don't really get their stuff together. Yeah, it's all all about the infrastructure and foundation of why you're hiring, you know, what the growth plan is of the team, like just doing that due diligence, I think saves everyone a lot of time and energy. And it's obviously clear you you have a ton of expertise, you know, just 
hiring within the Web3 ecosystem since 2018. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned assembling and managing teams in the ecosystem? Um, well, someone is a talent lead. Um, something I think I learned a little bit later is, um, you know, don't take sort of answers at face value. Um, and a lot of it is, again, I'm a candidate advocate, right, for for candidates internally. So I always want to see them in the best light. And, you know, you often maybe hear something that's too good to be true, but you want to be able to investigate a little bit more. Um, I think being able to do much more sussing on due diligence early in the process really saves a lot of the team's time to know if it's going to be a mismatch before it's too late. Um, I think um, really teasing out someone's risk tolerance and knowing if this is for them. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, having been through a bull cycle and a bear cycle a couple of times. Um, but, you know, working at companies when you're building, you know, there's great uncertainty and you're going to be stretching yourself in th ways that are definitely outside of your job description, but are going to make you a better professional for it. Um, so I think being able to understand where that ranks in a candidate's motivations is really crucial. Um, are they really gained by that challenge? Are they going to be a change agent? Uh, are they going to be someone who's going to be improving the functions, not just their own roles and success, but everyone else's? Or are they really looking for something to be cushy and, you know, get a paycheck, which is perfectly fine and adequate answer for a lot of people. But especially in this industry, um, you have to be um, as driven around um, building something for the better as you are about sort of the cushy stability nature of it. Um, I think as well is really understanding the needs of the team. Um, and again, not taking things at face value, like understanding um, within reason, of course, because outside macro pressures will undoubtedly change a hiring plan or a hiring needs of the team. And again, something I said earlier, having to stay nimble is really important, right? Um, but like really being able to suss out with a hiring manager and a leader of the team, especially if you build out an organization, what is the need for hiring for this? How would you pitch this to other external parties? Um, do you have a plan and vision as to what this team will look like? Um, is really crucial to get that pre-work done instead of just immediately attacking hiring because you know that you need to get this person in the next 30 days or what have you. Um, it's really important to understand, like, is this a role that one person can do or are you really thinking that you need multiple people? What does that look like? What does that timeline look like? What is your capacity for ramping people up? Mm -hmm. Expect them to know 80% or you pull with 15% and the rest. Um, really having the consideration as to how you deploy those things in practice um, and putting it on hiring teams too. They're accountable to it. Um, you know, as a talent lead, obviously I'm consciously and always aware of what our quality hire looks like. Um, but as much as I'm able to hopefully usher in a great hire, it's ultimately up to the team to be able to foster that as much as me. So um, making sure that uh, the teams understand, you know, the needs there from the new hire perspective and onboarding. Uh, is really important and knowing that we have a plan to tackle immediate needs, but ultimately understanding what does that long range plan look like? What are we working towards? And it really provides a really good North star. And um, mm -hmm. it's a really good stress test for knowing it. Am I hiring the right people at the right time or am I just doing it simply to do it? Um, a lot of leaders and organizations need to ask those hard questions of their management teams um, because we've seen it over and over again, I guess, uh, you know, companies flush, Good times think they're always going to roll over hiring in the near future. 
uh, for capabilities that they may want to get off the ground, but don't really have you know good go market strategy against. Um, and then you know you're left holding the bag with a lot of people that did not deserve it. Uh, so really trying to do right by that uh, stewardship, as I like to call it, you know, mm. really trying to bring some great talent to organization. Those are those are all really good points. Um, I think on on your end, a lot of a lot of it really kind of boils down to you kind of serving as that matchmaker between candidates and you know your you know, the company you represent. Um, and then in addition to that, I think like you said, doing the due diligence on both ends because it's really important to know exactly what the hiring team is looking for and, and exactly what the candidate is looking for. Because if you uh, don't have one of those, there could be a mismatch. And, and even if a hire does occur, it might not be the right person and that person might not last. And and that's obviously not a great thing for, for the team either. So I think a lot of the points you have really just about kind of getting as much information as possible and, and really understanding like the meaning behind why this hire is happening and why this job seeker is looking for a new opportunity. I think those are, those are really kind of important aspects and, and things that are, are great to just hear uh, the way in which you think you know, as, as a talent leader internally in this space. Finishing off here, one of the last things I'm, I'm curious about, is there anything throughout the rest of the year, it could be internally at Gauntlet, it could be in the hiring landscape or just the crypto industry at, at large, is there anything that you really have your eye on right now or really excited about as we go into the second half of, of 2023 here? Um, AI is a new buzzword, right? It, was it is. DevOps, blockchain, NFTs, AI. So um, <laughs> I think um, understanding what applications will actually exist for AI in Web3 is something I have my eye on. Um, you know, Web3 projects are very much distributed across different time zones, typically, you know, very strong remote um, sort of cultures in a lot of companies, a lot of projects. Um, you know, very big openness and transparency in the Web3 ecosystem, in those communities, uh, especially around governance processes, a lot of them. So um, how do we, um, how do we apply AI practices in a way that's going to be continually fair and equitable, understanding the pitfalls of what can occur? Um, and in a way that you are not just foisting it onto absolutely every single application that could possibly exist, right? Um, which I think I'm starting to see some initial signs of um, in ways like we're sort of foisting on to things that quite frankly don't really need him. Uh, but there are definitely going to be applications um, that will encounter the use of it. And I am interested in seeing how that can continue to hopefully uh, provide the democratization of what aspects I like about the ecosystem. And conversely, what could encounter that way? Um, so that's certainly something I have my eye on. Um, I think on the company front, I think for us, it's uh, continuing to invest in the DeFi ecosystem, uh, understanding that um, you know there are a lot of projects in the space that are really trying uh, their nascent and they're looking to grow more sustainably, much more efficiently, in a much more data-driven uh, insight perspective. So, what can we do to be able to um, keep uh, keep on keeping on, really, for risk management in the ecosystem, um, especially in a bear market, because risk management in crypto is something that didn't exist when I started. Um, and um, 
you know, things that you traditionally do take for granted, right? Is it's a necessity now. It's not a nice to have. So um, do we have more projects come to the space that are much more risk aware? What does that look like for them? What does that look like for their users? Um, what does that look like for their treasuries being able to optimize them more effectively so that they have staying power and that they're going to exist for a while? Um, yeah, so I, I would say those are the two things I got my eye on for sure. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think on the AI side, it's we're, we're always messing around internally to see like how we can use it and things yeah. like things of that nature. It's It's also been super. I was laughing this morning and telling my wife there was just somebody on, on LinkedIn that is now a very large AI influencer with you know, a couple hundred thousand followers. And I was like, didn't this guy used to mess write about web three? And turns out he, he used to be a web three influencer and now is now is not. And it's just AI. And it's just like seeing that crack me up a little bit, but hey, you know, that's they'll, go on, they'll go on TikTok soon enough. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's jumping on the, the AI trend right now, trying to figure out how they can incorporate it. It's, it's exciting, but you know, also, like you said, understanding the, the risk tolerance of it as well. And does it need to be applied uh, to your company? Um, but, but ultimately Danny wanted to, to thank you for hopping on the, the podcast, so much wisdom from your experience within the web three ecosystem and, and growing teams. And yeah, for anybody that's been listening, like you should definitely be taking notes on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of great tips to just best position yourself to get an interview and get in with a great company. So thanks, man. It's been, it's been awesome. No, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm a listener, so I'll keep listening for all the other tips you guys get. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure.